1: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc., And now you can watch us on YouTube as well. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And just a, a one note before we get into it, Rob. Uh, one show this week because I'm off to Barcelona to tap up Frankie de Jong. Uh, be flying out there tomorrow morning as we record this. It's Monday morning. I'll be out there from Tuesday. Trying my very best to bring him to Manchester United. Rob, how are you doing?
2: Not too bad. I'm just wondering, Scott, if you're going to go out there and maybe transfer yourself to Barcelona rather than Manchester, because uh, it's quite sunny and lovely out there. It is. Like, it
1: is very, very nice out there at the moment, according to my weather app on my phone. Uh, but yeah, going out there for work purposes. Uh, not. I do a little bit more than just podding about Man United and doing videos and that kind of stuff. And ninety minutes. So uh, yeah, uh, just a bit of a different week this week, and it does unfortunately mean that there's only one opportunity for Rob and I to catch up about United this week, but there's plenty to get into today because uh, Eric Ten Hag is arriving in Manchester. Uh, he's putting off an Ajax end of season holiday to come in. We'll, we'll get into what he said about that. He We're expecting him to arrive at some point soon. A lot of talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and what will happen with him. He's also had some things to say on Ronaldo. Uh, a bunch of different players have had something to say as well. Jaden Sancho's had a... Some quotes in the last few days about working with Ten Hag and how he needs to put this season behind him, that kind of thing. We'll talk about Frankie de Jong, a few potential other arrivals, or maybe, maybe not, maybe free agents. But will United be able to convince them to come to Old Trafford? We'll discuss that. And obviously, United play their last game of the season next Sunday against Crystal Palace. Uh, up until knowing that Ten Hag was arriving in Manchester today. I thought, you know, we're going to lose to Palace. But uh, will that change things? We'll we'll talk about that at the end of the show in a little preview towards Sunday's game. Uh, But just to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show as well. But Rob, uh, good news, isn't it? It's it's very nice to have somebody recognize everything that's kind of gone wrong. And having, he won the league the other day. It was last Wednesday, I think he won the league. Uh, but Ajax literally finished this season this weekend and no holiday, no nothing. It's time to get to work, he said.
2: Well, you wouldn't begrudge him some time off if he said after a long campaign with Ajax, I need a week off or two weeks off. I just want some sun on my back and I can do my business from my sun lounger from wherever I am in the world. But that's not what he's saying. And I really like it. Because if you're giving this guy all of this power, and we've talked extensively about the contract talks with Manchester United and what he demanded, the kind of cherry on the cake is that if it's your responsibility, go get on with the job. That's what he's doing. So the private jet is booked. He'll be flying into Manchester imminently to take over the reins at Old Trafford. So, of course, Ralph will take the final game of the season. It will be interesting to see maybe if Ten Hag is at the match in the stands. We don't know that.
1: Has been rumoured.
2: Exactly. We don't know that for sure. Um, There is nothing now to talk about for Manchester United personally with Ten Hag and his contract and any of that stuff. That's all sorted. So now it's about the playing squad and how you go from this point now that we're in at the end of the season to pre-season. Now that's approximately about eight, nine weeks. So in that eight, nine week period... There's going to be a ton of information coming out of Manchester United about changes and about things that Ten Hag is insisting on doing. That ball has already started to roll and it's going to be the kind of tale of this summer to see how Eric Ten Hag shapes his football team.
1: Noticeably over the last few years, maybe the last decade with United's approach in the transfer market has taken them. They've worked at a snail's pace, just to put it nicely. So it'll be interesting to see if Ten Hag and the new setup with Richard Arnold, John Murder, and that kind of thing, it'll be interesting to see if they can start doing things a lot more quickly than they have done in the past. And we might get a good indicator about how well this is going to go by how fast they act. And it seems like Ten Hag is wasting no time. He's, uh, he's spoken about not going to the uh, end-of-season party with the Ajax squad and staff. He said, there'll be a party with the staff, but I'm not going I think that's understandable. There's a lot to do there at Manchester United. Uh, that is the case with every club. A number of things still need to be organised in the staff and also in the selection. We'll be working intensively on this from tomorrow. So that's... He's he's recognised it. Because obviously he's got... United haven't formally announced his two assistants yet, but I think we know who they're going to be. But then there were suggestions over the last few days that the... What's the set-piece coach's name? Eric Ramsey, is it? I yep. forgot his name. Yeah, Eric Ramsey. will yeah. also be staying on. Uh, yep. But... Mike Phelan will he stay you know what what does it mean for Darren Fletcher they're gonna have to get all this kind of stuff sorted aren't they
2: that's exactly what they'll be doing so you're right so Eric Ramsey was uh, poached from Chelsea originally and the whole idea about that was to get better at set pieces did they get better at set pieces this year Towards the, not. End. Towards the end, actually. Towards the end, things started to get better in the sense that you scored one or two goals from a corner and it felt good, didn't it? But I think set piece has been one of Manchester United's chronic weaknesses for so many years. Uh, and yes, the new manager will want to address that. As you just said, there was kind of the other names in, in the house. I think with Darren Fletcher, he will obviously remain in his role, it may even be expand his more executive powers. Uh, will he take his boots off, structure. though, Rob? Well, I really hope so because <laughs> I do not want to see anyone involved with the directorship or maybe the communication from board level to team warming up the subscot. I'm kind of sick of it. So I've been at the games. I've watched what Fletch does and it's not really befitting his role. So that might be something that changes, isn't it? Like I think that he will be kind of pushed to one side by Eric Ten Hag. I think Ten Hag will be saying, my staff will be doing these things because it's quite important. <laughs> and Darren, you, you know, Go, go and have breakfast with Mr. Murtough. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Try, try and find the correct place to be. Um, so all of that is going to get sorted out now in the next few days. And and we know that Manchester United, um, Steve McLaren met uh, in Amsterdam. So we believe that that's going to be announced imminently. And United are now allowing Ten Hag to do things. We're kind of at that stage now.
1: Yeah. Uh... I'll ask you something later in the show, actually. I just uh, just remembered something Jesse Lingard did over the weekend. I'm just going to write that down. Um, yeah. <laughs> or do you want to do it now? Do you want to do it now? Uh, no, let's get, let's get into it later on. Let's, let's continue talking about Eric. Uh, he's also said uh, in another interview with a Dutch outlet, United will not play in the Champions League next season. It's painful for United, but also for me. It's a competition I'm going to miss incredibly, but the fact that I'm going to work in the Premier League makes up for a lot. Uh, there's more quotes which we'll we'll get through in the show because he's had a lot to say in the last few days. Because now Ajax is officially behind him. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you, Rob, was: so what does all this mean then? What's what's the? F- I know we talked about the staff there. Is he going to have to speak to the players one to one? Is he going to speak to Ralph Ranić? Does he want somebody like Ralph Ranić to? give him a frame of the idea or do he prefer to take
2: this week to kind of work it out himself? What do you think? I think from what we've heard, and it is contrary to what Ralph Ranick has said in his press conferences, that those conversations have already happened. So there's been talk behind the scenes between the existing staff, maybe outgoing in terms of Ranick's position and what he's going to do. And he will continue to consult at United. So I think in this kind of transition period of power, those two will obviously be in cahoots and be chatting quite a lot about the players and the stuff that Ralph Rangnick's learned. But I think the other side of this is now is that, yes, it's the end of the season, but the players haven't gone anywhere yet. So the fact that Ten Hag will be coming to Manchester and will be allowed to obviously have that communication with them in the first instance, I think that's massively important because the players, when they go on holiday, Scott, they've got to be 100% assured about what this football club is about. What is Eric Ten Hag is about? They can't go on holiday for two, three, four weeks and just not know and read about it in the press. It's very important that the players have that dialogue with their new coach. So I think that's really, that's one of the reasons why I think Ten Hag is coming immediately, because there's players going, we know this, there'll be players coming, but there's going to be an existing core that needs to be refocused. And they need to be told at the end of the Crystal Palace game, win, lose or draw. This is the vision. You either get on board or you leave the football club. I have
1: seen in uh, his previous jobs, the people who've worked with him have established that he likes to collect like a small leadership team or the people that can kind of really portray his message and set the standards. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe that will be kind of key to his first week with the players there. Because obviously there'll be players leaving for international duty after the end of the season. There'll be other players who aren't on international duty, gone on holiday, but there's been suggestions as well that he wants to bring them back two weeks early to get them up to standard fitness-wise and that kind of thing. Uh, Let's talk about some of the players because we'll do Jesse Lingard now, actually, uh, before we get into Ronaldo, (laughs) just because it it wasn't something that I planned to talk about today. It wasn't in my notes because I forgot about it. But uh, he, from his Twitter yesterday after Mark Noble's send-off at West Ham, did you think this is what I was going to say? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, what a lovely send-off for Mr. West Ham. Great send-off. M- lovely. Lovely to see him get a send-off with, you know, his name held up with, uh, in a TIFO or whatever it is. Noble 16. <laughs> Poor me, eh? Poor Jesse.
2: Yeah. I, I think Jesse just needs to kind of accept how it all went. And the, there were mistakes on both sides, but... Football is a bit of a cruel business at times. You don't always get what you want. So I think more that was interesting about the quote about uh, uh, Martin Noble was, oh, you taught me so much while I was at West Ham, you know, like he's a 21-year-old kid. And it's a bit like, well, Jesse, you're a senior player, mate. You know, you're, you, you're actually a senior player and, uh, and you have to influence stuff like a senior player. So he did do that at West Ham. You know, he was very good on the football pitch. Um, but I think we're kind of at that end here of the divorce between Jesse Lingard and Manchester United, and that is that kind of Jesse will wave goodbye to everyone very, very soon. Um, will he get minutes at Crystal Palace? I don't really know. I'm not sure Ralph's too bothered by it. Um, and yes, the social media stuff will bubble away in the background, that's just how it goes. Uh, but I think with Jesse Lingard, as I've said before, good luck to him at whatever his next football club is. He has been a good servant to Manchester United. He's a United fan, like all of us. Uh, I'm sure he's bitterly disappointed that he's leaving under a little bit of a cloud. But I think he's also got to understand that his own actions and words do have consequences. Yeah, part of me kind of
1: hopes that if Ten Hag is to speak to all the players this week and we get a clear indication of who's staying and who's going, if the players who are going decide that they want to go, just get rid of them and just say that these players are leaving now and just try and start it out early. Don't play them. Start with the people that you know that you're going to play with next season, whether that be some youngsters, maybe one or two in the team or whatever. Uh, It just, you got to leave this all behind. And now it's probably about a week really until they can actually start doing that properly. But yeah, uh, it just, they got to turn a page, and I'm really glad that Ten Hag is coming in to start addressing that. And he re- the the most important thing is that he recognizes that as well. I think when David Moyes took over from Alex Ferguson, it was announced, but then he didn't start till like July the first, I think it was. And then mm. you know they were on the hop for a while, tried to sign Leighton Baines and Marouane Fellaini, and ended up with Fellaini. I that think was a, like a, a month after <laughs> his, I think they bought him like a month after his release clause for a lower fee. Ended and they That's ended exactly paying more than
2: that. That's exactly what happened. There was a he, they could have bought him in a small window for what was a very agreeable price, and then they went back to Everton two or three weeks later and told them they'll play more than more than that. So it, it showed <laughs> at that point with Ed Woodward, a very early point in his tenure as as you know chief overseer of everything at United, <clears throat> that the business strategy probably wasn't in place. So they got Fellaini, and that was really Marijuana like, Fellaini as well, by the way. <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? Because now history has happened. We can kind of, we put things in boxes and remember it a certain way. I was quite pleased with the Fellaini signing. I was just not pleased with the way it was done. And then I wasn't pleased with how Fellaini was used. You know, I'd watched uh, Everton come to Old Trafford the season before and draw 4-4 with Man United. Mm -hmm. I was there. It was a sickener. And Marin Fellaini absolutely ripped Man United to shreds that day. You know, and that was a horrible football match because United lost the title because of it. Um, but I looked at Fellaini, you know, and I, I did actually do a f- an infamous tweet that got a lot of traction and to this day still gets pulled up. Whereas I said, Maren Fellaini could well be Manchester United Yaya Toure. Now, what I meant by that was not that he was anything like Yaya Toure in terms of quality. I just meant that you could have a big man midfielder that did a lot bit of the work, but did things in the final third. Putting the ball in the back of the net. Now Fellaini did that at Everton. He, so I felt justified. Yeah. But I did learn that was like, you know, almost 10 years ago. I did learn that if you do not word things precisely that the world can go mad because I had City fans for about eight years telling me I was mad. United fans telling me that I was absolutely crazy liking Fellaini. I didn't like him. I just thought he could do a job for, for David Moyes, who was a manager that knew him quite well.
1: You can even word a tweet perfectly and you will still get ripped to shreds nowadays. Anyway, It doesn't doesn't really matter. And for what it's worth, I know I just joked about Fellaini, but uh, he scored a few really quite important goals. You know, United played ugly with him, but yeah, uh, that was a different time, wasn't it? So they start to (laughs) progress, play in a different way, move forward, start playing a little bit more, uh, you know, attractively. Is that a word? Attractive football in a sense. Question for you, Rob, though. How will he do that with Cristiano Ronaldo? Because there are suggestions uh, over the last few days and there are quotes as well from both Ronaldo and Ten Hag that this relationship is going to start and continue for the remainder of Ronaldo's contract. So just before I bring you in, uh, Ten Hag has said of Ronaldo, he's a giant that is still very ambitious. Of course, I want to keep him at Manchester United. He was important for them again this year. His stats are great. And the fact that he wants, he's happy to work with me is better this way than the other way around, if he didn't. (laughs) Uh, And Ronaldo has said to the club's website, what I know about him is he did a fantastic job for Ajax, that he's an experienced coach, but we need to give him time. Things need to change to the way he wants. I hope we have success, of course, because if you have success, all of Manchester is going to have success as well. I wish him the best. We're happy and excited, not only as players, but the supporters as well. I wish in best and let's believe that next year we're going to win trophies. So how is this going to work then?
2: Oh, I, I, I cannot see how Eric Ten Hag has sat there and looked at any of the United metrics and feels that this is definitely going to work. But two points there. And I think it's, it's good from what they've both said. They're both willing to work together. So that's the starting point, isn't it? You know, there won't be a pull and push. And I think Ronaldo 100% does understand that the new coach comes in, he makes the choices and he has the power. And that's really, really important. That's not been the case with Ralph Ranić. And I think with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, some of that was forced on Ole. Times have changed. Ten Hag's mandate will be to build a team and win. But it's not going to happen in year one, is it? We, we don't believe that. But there's going to be a transition So you'd rather probably keep Cristiano than just completely bin him. But I don't think with the contract situation that you could do that anyway. So I think everyone is paying a little bit of lip service here. United would certainly like to keep Cristiano. New kit coming out in a few weeks' time, Scott. I hmm. wonder he's whose seen name will be on well. the back. See, he's he's it has been seen in it already. And you're effectively potentially losing your other biggest shirt seller, aren't you? <clears throat> Excuse me. So Paul Pogba leaves the football club. You know, you need to keep someone at this juncture. So uh, I'm pleased they've both been positive about one another, but we've got to see it on a football pitch. So if you want to play 4-2-3-1, one you you're going to have to play it in a different way to say how Ajax play 4 2 one you cannot see him doing Sebastian Haller things. It's just not the way it is. United fans, of course, have seen a lot of goals this year from Cristiano, so they're happy about that. But I'm more interested about the makeup of the team and what you can do. Like I've said before, Renata's not the biggest problem at Man United. And if you can get another year's worth of goals out of him in a transitional period as you build the team, so be it.
1: What it's worth, I know we had a conversation about the home kit the other week. I have seen the pictures of the away kit, and I'm a big fan of it's the white the white yet. away kit. I'm very happy with that one. Uh, and I couldn't work out what the other color was for the third yellow, it was, yeah. It was it yellow? It was yellow,
2: it's like Dortmund or something. Yeah, I, I thought <laughs> I think I like that as well, but a yellow kit, I remember like. United you know, did, yeah. did have a yellow kit in the 70s, I think. They did have a yellow kit in the 70s, but uh, I don't know if that is a, a throwback to that or a nod towards it. Adidas like to do heritage stuff. Yeah. So I'm just thinking that maybe that's a nod to a United kit from a far fire, fire by, bygone era. <laughs> uh, well, um, obviously, we've got a new era to look forward to
1: as well. I just want to, did, make a, did want to make a point on Ronaldo, really, that obviously Man City wanted him last year. Uh, what could have Pep done with a 36, 37-year-old? I know they just signed Erling Haaland now, and Haaland, you know, he'll score a bunch of tap-ins for City. I'm I'm, I'm perfectly, I can, I can perfectly imagine that happening, even if he doesn't get the space in behind that he's previously used to. And I was thinking, I could have probably seen Ronaldo scoring about 20, 25 tap-ins just for City, because of the amount of times that they cut the ball back across the box and that kind of mm. thing, and you know, Ten Hag is from a similar school, I guess. Um, and he doesn't have to play... That One thing I do like about Ten Hag is he will kind of look to adapt to the players that he has. And he's done that in the past as well. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a certain way straight away.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: I think he'll like the challenge of trying to be able to get the best out of Ronaldo and trying to get the best out of the team as well if he is there. Because if you do look at it from a stats account and decision The fact that Ronaldo is able to decide matches from that side of things, I mean, you know, there's nobody really better than that, but obviously it will be a challenge to integrate him into the tactical setup, but maybe it's a challenge that Ten Hag will really enjoy.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt that there's going to have to be some kind of tactical revolution at Manchester United from what we know and what we've existed has as being at the football club for a very long time over, over the course of several managers. And that doesn't happen overnight. It really doesn't. So, you know, we've heard that he wants the squad to come back early because he needs to work on fitness. I think that's perfectly reasonable. I don't think any Man United player will be complaining about that. That's normal for when a new coach comes in. But the transition of looking at every position... And deciding who stays and who goes is such a long process. It can't be done in days. It really can't. And it can't really be done in weeks. It has to be done over a much more extended period. So Ronaldo falls into that bracket for me. And I think the good thing for Cristiano, and with all of this with the change to Ten Hag, is that he's got a year left. So even in a year, if he plays less games or doesn't fit the system, does it really hurt your build? I think it hurt Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a lot more. I think Ole couldn't do things he did last year. I think it hurt Ralph Ranick more because Christian's scoring you all the goals, but you can't really drop him, can you? You can't change things if he's dropping all if he's scoring all your goals at that time, but you can't Gagan press. So I think the good thing for uh, um, the new coach is that he's not all about the counterpress. He plays a slower build up at times, he keeps the ball, it's more possession based. And then they'd set traps and do all the other good bits that modern football teams do. So I think that suits Ronaldo a lot more than, say, Ranieri style, which is a bit more kind of hot and bothered, you know, a lot more bluster and better than Oleg and Solskjaer's style, which was probably not tactical enough. He's kind of sits somewhere in the middle.
1: I think we both agree, though, that, and I think United want to, want to forward as well a flexible, versatile forward. 100%. Darwin Nunes fit that bill as uh, suggestions on Monday morning that he'll be able to be got out of Benfica for 60 million euros, which is what? 52 million pounds ish. I would say
2: something like that, which is not a bad deal, is it? It's not a bad deal. It's not a bad deal. And also it's, it's a, it's a nice carrot for someone like Darwin Nunes. So he's coming to a big club. It's a huge jump up. It might suit him. Like we were saying, it's about United players taking a year to settle in. So if this first year is going to be a bit precarious, that Darwin is, you can break him in with Ronaldo, you know, so that you've got that, haven't you? You've got that opportunity to do that. It's not like he comes in on day one And it's like, Darwin, you run the football club. (laughs) You know, you have to score all the goals. I think you'll get that kind of meshing and that integration. Uh, I think for the price that's being banded around, you know, I don't know if you can say no. The player wants to come to Manchester United. We know that. We know that Manchester United need a striker and are shopping. So all of those things are coming together nicely. I think that deal will get announced sooner rather than later because I think United want to make a bit of a splash. And as soon as they start making transfers, the football fans themselves will start to feel better. You'll feel that wave of positivity, Scott. Like it's not there at the moment, but I think in the next week or two, when deals start to get brokered and announced, it will be like bang. It's like City fans, isn't it? They're about to win the title potentially, but they're hot on Haaland already. You know, that's how football clubs do their PR. So I think Manchester United, we will be hearing of the Crystal Palace game, even maybe before maybe one or two signings in the very, very near future.
1: As we record this, there are a lot more. Uh, Ten Hag's done a lot of chatting. Uh, how should I steer mm. certain processes at United and what standards and values do you apply as a team? Everything to perform and to ensure that the playing style is implemented properly. Uh, yeah. I can look every player straight in the eye. I know that for sure. I
2: made all my choices in good conscience. With me, the team's interest always comes first. That's very nice to hear, isn't it? It is. It is. And, and he also made a comment about the dressing room, very specific about how he runs a football club, and that you must get the dressing room right. Now, I I think that that is a little bit of a nod towards some of the issues at Manchester United over the last 12 months or even beyond that, is that the dressing room maybe had too much power under Ole, maybe had too much to say uh, in previous incarnations. I've heard people tell me, oh, Mourinho was right about his set of players. Well, no, not necessarily. I think Mourinho added to that fire poured some petrol on it when he didn't need to but I think this manager can come in on day one and say this is my dressing room I run this dressing room and if you want to be in it you've got to conform and I I love all of that and I'm glad that he's kind of mentioned that again in these kind of these moments before he flies into Manchester because he's kind of setting the stall out isn't he he's telling the players via socials via interviews this is how Manchester United's going to be under Eric Ten Hag. I, it's all positive, Scott. I've, this is what I said weeks ago. i was been waiting for this, for him to fly in and for the job to actually start because what's happened in the last 12 months now, it's not really important anymore, is it? It's It's gone, it's history and this is a fresh start.
1: Yeah, fresh, a fresh start from, you know, a strategy over the last 10 years from the top down, I think that we are now seeing on the pitch of the player is perhaps more important than the manager is and you can take that in a number of cases but I think Ten Hag recognises probably that that's part of a big reason why United are in the mess that they are.
2: A hundred percent. And it goes back to what Lou van Gaal has said consistently. It's around the case of whether the footballer is there to score goals or whether the footballer is there as a commercial commodity. Now, Manchester United have always kind of tried to tread the line down the middle, haven't they? This is a big player. We want big players. We're going to stick them in your team. Oh, but you're not winning. So where does it meet and match? So this is the same conversation about Ronaldo, isn't it? New kit coming out, already leaked photographs of Cristiano in that kit. It shows United's intentions. He's not going anywhere. So you have to live with that. So I think at the same time that when it comes to the week-to-week grind, Scott, of picking a team, you will probably see Cristiano happier to sit on the bench than what he would have been this year. And that's simply because there'll be a new regime in place. it will be like, well, if you want to stay here and earn your 25 million quid, yeah, please score us 20 goals but you might have to do a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that. I'll say this about Cristiano. He's run loads the last few weeks. He's kind of shown his heart, you know, putting his kind of heart there on on, on his shoulder and saying, what, well, this is how I want to play football. It's not his natural game, but under 10 Hag, he will have to do more hard work. And I think he'll be okay with that.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, Fingers crossed they can get this right because there will be a bunch of players leaving this summer. Uh, it doesn't, mm-hmm. at the moment, look like Ronaldo will be leaving. All indications point to him staying. Another player who is staying is, well, barring a massively unexpected decision, is Jaden Sancho, yeah. who's had one season down. It's been underwhelming, to be fair. He's had a, he's had a few issues with form and injury and this ta- this kind of stuff. But he's spoken this week about Ten Hag. To start again fresh with a new manager coming in, we're looking forward to seeing what his ideas and plans are for the team. You have to think positively. My career is only getting started and hopefully it will take off soon. This has been a difficult season, especially being a United player with what the club has achieved over the years. United is known for winning trophies and being up with the best. This season has been a difficult one for all of us, but I think we have to show belief again. So it's it's nice to... I know Sancho has been... Kind of, he was ruled out for the rest of the season, nearly by Ralph Ranick a few weeks ago, and then he turned up in Paris with Tammy Abraham last week. I know a
2: tonsillitis or something, <laughs> and uh, or something along the lines, and might need an operation and whatnot. And then he's then he's he seen with Tammy uh, in Paris. It's like quite... uh, one thing I will
1: say, I will give Sancho a clean slate completely. Like, of course, he, he's come into this mess. It's really not his fault. If he's not, if he doesn't want to play in his palace or whatever, it's not an easy atmosphere to come into, is it?
2: No, it isn't. And and you know, I don't know. We we have to get over this kind of spell of where the players don't want to play for Man United. Because <laughs> there's so many things that have been going on in the background that have forced a lot of these situations. I think with Jaden, there's no doubt that when United wanted to sign him, and certainly the early days of that transfer, so we're talking a year before he actually came, the spin all of it around with United was well, we need a superstar, we need a new number seven, and it's you. Jaden Sancho liked that. That's what he wanted. What actually happened was it came to the football club. He got the number 25 shirt and was kind of told that you'll be part of the rotation. (laughs) So it's like, hmm, so it's a big change, isn't it? I'm going to be your superstar, but now I'm coming into the rotation. So I think the good thing is that, again, Eric Ten Hag. We use Jaden Sancho to Jaden Sancho's strengths. He will. He yeah. fits. Yeah. He fits. He fits a Ten Hag attack like a glove more than any of the attackers currently at Manchester United. So, I think his comments there about looking forward to the future are genuine, and I think he wants to succeed. He's had a good year now in Manchester in the sense that he's settled. He's back at the football club, and now we'll be buying players around him. He's not the player coming in to improve stuff. He's already here. It's now for Ten Hag to go. Right, how do I get the best out of Jadon Sancho? I need a fullback that helps Jadon Sancho on that side. Right, am I playing Jadon right? Or am I playing him left? Or even as a ten? All of these things now can be answered by the new coach. I, I've got no issues with Jadon Sancho. He's an electric talent, um, and he's coming to Manchester United just at a really, really bad team, bad time. You know, and Raphael Varane, who's won everything, has come in and looks not very good. You know, so it's like it's not. I don't think it's all on the players all of the time. I think collectively for results. Yeah, you can you can certainly pull a few out. Hundred percent, we've done that on this show. But I think with Jaden Sancho for the future, he's going to be one of those cornerstones from United if they have success.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about some players who could potentially arrive. We obviously we've done some Frankie de Jong stuff over the last week or so. Uh, it's pretty obvious United do want to sign him and are working to see if it's possible to sign him. Suggestions are he'd like to join a Champions League club, uh, which United are not as it stands, uh, but. You know, never say never, I guess. And quotes from Barcelona over the last few days have kind of reiterated what we already know, that obviously the Spanish season is not over yet. And Barcelona are in a well-publicized, difficult financial position, but De Jong is an important player to the likes of Xavi, uh, who's the coach. But they have a few different options in midfield, so they've kind of just reiterated that he's a valuable player to them, but the financial situation will dictate what they do. Uh, and then, obviously, Rob, we've spoken in the last few weeks as well about looking at the free agent market. So I know that you wanted to talk about Christian Eriksen today. Paolo Dybala has also announced that he's leaving Juventus, and they both might go elsewhere. I think Dybala might end up at Inter, as it stands. But uh, will either of them fit this plan?
2: Well, Dybala's always kind of his representation have always hinted towards Inter, and that has been something that's been burning away for quite a long time. It doesn't mean 100% it's done yet. We do know that that Paladar Dybala's representatives were in London to chat to people. It's worth telling our audience that Manchester United have offices in London where a lot of the commercial arm do operate out. So when they do negotiations, you find agents fly to London. Not Manchester, so there is that on the table. Would Dy- Dybala fit a Ten Hag team or even the Premier League? Not 100% sure. Think that that jury would be out on that. But Christian Ericsson is a much more gettable target. Unfortunately, Christian Ericsson said yesterday, in a very direct quote, quote, and quote, said, I want to play Champions League football. So he, he kind of said that, he said it's very important to him, and that's he sees that as his future and his immediate future. And obviously, he's a player that's aging. You know, how many years he's got left at the very, very top. Who knows? Uh, very happy in London. Again, some, he always spoke about that before he went to Inter and then came back. And that's why Brentford was so appealing that he could kind of go back to his old lifestyle. Um, But I do think that Christian Eriksen is the type of player in the free agent market that Man United should be banging the door down because he can give you quality, which is watching the game yesterday, you know, and seeing how he can manipulate a football pitch and how he can actually you know, be the metronome from midfield doing different things, wide, central, behind the striker, deeper. You need a player like that, Man United. So I do think that, that Ten Hag is looking for that type of player. Will it be Eric Ten Hag? Or will it be Christian Eriksen? Mm, I think now he said that and deliberately said that out loud that he wants to be at a Champions League club. I think it might likely be Tottenham Hotspur.
1: I don't know what to make of that. We'll see whether you know. Obviously, Spurs are in position to come forth at the moment, but yeah. really, is it is in Arsenal's hands as it stands? And they play Newcastle on Monday night. We're recording this on Monday
2: morning, as we said earlier on. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he certainly now, could Brentford keep him. Like this is the thing. Like if you're not good, if you want to stay in London, but you know you want a Champions League club, that does narrow it down quite a bit. You're not going to Arsenal, probably not. You know, you could do. But Tottenham, I think, are Chelsea. in his heart. But, but again, fit, if, he goes, really, if he goes to Chelsea, he's going to sit on the bench all season long. He's not going to kick a ball. You know, really, really isn't. He might come on now and then. But he doesn't really fit a Tuchel team. So I think even though Conte didn't give him the minutes that he wanted at Inter, Conte was quoted again saying this a few weeks ago, saying that he still really likes Christian Eriksen. He was the person that initiated the deal for him to go to Inter. And that he would love him one day backing his team. And you thought... Yeah, this kind of feels that Spurs are ahead of everyone. I I think United should give him a good contract and say to him, look, we want to get back in the Champions League and we can give you an incredible stage here at Old Trafford.
1: Of course, with Brentford, there are... I know Brentford would like to keep him, but they don't have the biggest wage structure in the world. They don't play the highest numbers and that kind of thing. And while Ericsson probably isn't motivated by that, it's still quite low for a Premier League player and for the player especially of his caliber he's proven obviously in the last few months that he can cut it
2: still he can still do it yeah and brentford are not getting european football anytime soon even if they do well next season like they've had a great campaign this year um and, and he's been a big part of that story towards the end of the campaign but i think overall christian Eriksen wants to be at a bigger club um and it's just a bit, it's, it's about fit scott because again i don't think Eriksen is perfect for every team especially in the Premier League but I do think they have a team that needs creativity and needs someone to do something a little bit different to what you currently have I think United are the best fit footballing wise for him it's just whether Ten Hag wants that type of player
1: I imagine he would like him but we'll see uh and Rob I'm also giving you a running uh commentary here some stuff some quotes that are coming out from ten Hag because i'm guessing breaking
2: news breaking
1: news <laughs> yeah, it's breaking news as we record this it's not going to be breaking news by the time it comes out but um ten Hag, i did receive some whatsapp messages from them the man united players already saying welcome to the club which is wow. quite interesting um he's done some interviews with dutch media ahead of his move over to manchester uh, and a question that i did want to round off the show with today rob is because obviously there's As we mentioned earlier, there is one show this week, which is today. And we will not have a show later this week. So we should probably fit in the section to look ahead to the Crystal Palace game, which is on Sunday. Now, I was going into this one before the Ten Hag developments came thinking, well, I know Palace aren't brilliant, but United are awful. They just got banged 4-0 by Brighton. They are losing this game. Uh, and West Ham. I know they West Ham have to beat Brighton away now in order to catch up to Man United and put themselves into sixth place after they drew with Man City. But will Ten Hag's presence around the club this week kick them up the backside a bit and think and get them thinking? Oh God, we've actually got to start trying now. Uh, and will this affect how they perform?
2: Well, you'd like to think so, Scott, wouldn't you? you you'd would, really yeah. like to think so. Like Your new boss is in town and you're WhatsApping him and you know he's watching. And if you want a future at Man United, maybe just try and work a little bit harder. You know, I, I want to see the Joggers FC thing completely crushed now, I want to see that. I'm sick of seeing Man United players jog. And it, it's quite, it's one of these things, isn't it, about preserving energy and how your tactics are to your physical game and how you uh, implement that. Just put that to one side for a bit and go out there and play like you really want to smash Crystal Palace. Do that. Try that, you know, for once in front of your new boss. So it, it, it's a bit there about uh, him saying directly that he's had WhatsApp messages from the players. We've heard this already. It's not new. But it's quite interesting that he's admitting it because we've been told all this time publicly that none of this has been going on behind the scenes. There's been no contacts and players haven't spoken to him. Do you think Donny van der Beek has had a chat with his old manager? probably so there's a lot of this happening behind the scenes and a lot of chat which we, you'll never see in the press but I do think that you'll, you'll get these little smidgens now and I think it's interesting that he's revealing some of this he's been doing this job for a little while and I think that he he will want to be present at the Crystal Palace game I really do I don't think he'll be taking the team but I think he will also be saying to Ralph Ranić this is a system that I would like to play going forward these are some of the players that are in my plans these players are not in my plans so Ralph, please do not pick them because I don't want to see them I'm not interested in giving him a goodbye and him a goodbye and blah 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 and I think we, we will see maybe the the first birth of the Ten Hag team at Crystal Palace even though officially he won't be the one you know making the decisions in the touchline it will be a bit of a long goodbye to Ralph and thank you but you know cheers for the consultation off you go and I think we'll we'll see something that will will mirror what United will try and do in pre season in a few weeks' time.
1: There'll be some. I know that since uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's left his position, that the, the camera is often cut to him in the stands, watching over the team, watching over <laughs> David Moyes' team, oh, Jose Mourinho's like team, like making that. faces at oh. how bad it is. Uh, and now they'll have the old manager and the new manager. Yeah. Both looking over
2: them being awful. So uh, what a prospect. Yeah. So Alex going, oh, that, that Scott McTominay's great. He is, you know, look, look, <laughs> look at, watch him. He's my boy. I think I think actually it's worth noting, and a lot of United fans tweet me this, they still kind of believe that Fergie pulls strings behind the scenes, that he's kind of the, the overseer of everything and that he tells the board things and he gets in people's ears. It's, just, it's not true. He just watches the games. He has no power at Manchester United, worse than no power. They don't listen to him. They haven't listened to him for many, many years. He has football opinions. But of course, he's the statesman of the football club. So it makes sense, isn't it, that he advocates a new manager and he certainly will. I'm sure he'll. there'll be interviews with Fergie in the next two or three weeks and, and over the summer where he will say Eric Ten Hag is great. You might see a picture of them together shaking hands at Carrington or something like that, Man United social media going crazy about it as we do a transition of power. Can you see it already in the stands? Fergie sat one side, Steve McLaren sat the other, (laughs) Eric in the middle. 1990 rebooted, you know, that 1999 rebooted. Here we go again. So, no, I I think we'll get all of that in the next few weeks. And uh, I I think it's going to be exciting. You know, we're going to see new players. I'm just, I just want to see something new now. I want to see this coach. Do what Klopp did. Do you remember Klopp did in the first few weeks at Liverpool? It wasn't perfect, but it felt like someone had come in yeah. and was picking up the folder of Liverpool stuff and smashing it on a desk. You know, and I know from contacts at Liverpool that Klopp came in and he said that in the opening weeks. He went, This is my football club now. So you might have been here all this time, but I'm here to do this and no one gets in my way. And if you get in my way, I'm gone. Bye. I think Eric Ten Hogg's going to be a little bit like that. I think he's going to be quite forthright and he's going to put together a really, really good football team.
1: It definitely needs that kind of personality to come in and take over because, you know, the wrong personalities have been in charge for far too long at hmm. this club. And you obviously see the mess that they are currently in. Hopefully United will be able to finish sixth, what an awful sentence that is. What an awful sentence <laughs> I know we is.
2: can't get eighth now. I'm really disappointed. And I was like, oh, we could have got eighth if we tried really hard. Um, but look, if we get in the Vauxhall Conference, European League, or whatever they want to call it this The week, Intertoto Cup. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, you know, it's, it's the European version of the Simod Cup. You know what I mean? It's like all the full members cup from back in the day. There'll be young fans listening to this going, what are those trophies? And that's kind of how I feel about the, the European Conference League. But if we're in it, we got to get on with it. And I think it will give maybe Ten Hag, Blue Sky thinking, time to bed other players in. You'll be able to play younger players in that competition. Do we want to win it? I'm sure he'll say yes. I'm sure everyone will say yes. Um, we'll put it this way. I won't be going to those games. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes indeed Rob uh, I will be off
1: to Barcelona this week so if you see developments on Frankie de Jong to Manchester United I can neither confirm nor deny that I've had anything to do with that uh, but I've been in Barcelona and I will I, I will speak to you next after I have been to Barcelona
2: so we'll see eh? If you don't bring me back Frankie De Jong, we will be having big chats about it. You know, this is this is why you're going out there. You've got that opportunity. Um, Agent Scott is on the case, just like Agent Bruno was with Cristiano. Uh, and, and let's hope, let's hope that that we get a De Jong like signing. Yeah, again, it's not about being excited just about new players, but you need to start fixing problems, don't you, at Manchester United? And I think De Jong would go a long way to fixing one part of that problem in the midfield in the midfield and and having just a player that you might might have faith in for maybe a few years, you know, not just someone that's going to come in and do a job for 10 minutes.
1: Yes, indeed. Just a reminder, we're only doing one show this week on Monday. Hopefully this will be out today as soon as possible. Uh, But yes, United play Crystal Palace in the final game of this season. Next Sunday, uh, you can subscribe to our show, wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And now you can watch us usually twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. But as I mentioned, just the once this week. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and M.U. for the show. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I'm going to go tap up Frankie de Jong and we'll see you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or Mc Crispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.